sermon. Uh, This week, we are continuing with our series on Messianic Jewish Discipleship 201. If you missed the intro two weeks ago, I want to encourage you to listen to it on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I have an an app. It's called Podcast Addict. And, uh, you know, that's where I get my podcasts. Not the best name, but, uh, uh, but I use it for good. You know, I listen to... Uh, sermons from other congregations as well. Um, so I want to encourage you to to catch that uh, the last sermon that I gave on this because they're going to be building on 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 each other. Um, the last sermon that I gave, I talked about some of the key parts of discipleship. <clears throat> well, one of which was humilivision, and if you don't know what that is, you need to ask somebody that was here. And, uh, of course, encouraging others in their identity in Messiah and their God-given calling and the vision that God has for their lives. And we also talked about finding your Paul and finding your Timothy. So how is that going so far? It's going well? Did you find anybody? Okay. Well, don't look for them now because it's the middle of the sermon. Let's at least wait till Oneg to find your Paul and your Timothy, okay? Um, So for today's sermon... Uh, we're going to begin with a man named Ahithophel, okay? And we're going to start with a pretty heavy passage. Um, and this is found in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verses, uh, verse 23. And here it is up here. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. He put his house in order and then hanged himself. So he died and was buried in his father's tomb. Now, what would cause a man to hang himself all because his advice wasn't followed? Seems a little extreme. Well, for that, we have to go back to the beginning of the story, the story of King David. Now, David was the greatest king in the history of Israel. He was called a man after God's own heart. In other words, his heart and dreams and vision were totally aligned with God's heart and dreams and vision. David was the model king by which Messiah was to be measured. So when the Messiah came, we were to look through the prism of King David to see if the Messiah matched him. Our people were to look for Mashiach ben David, Messiah, son of David, a king who would rule over Israel with justice and mercy, just like he did. Even in our liturgy every week, we just sang it, right? We sang these words, Ve'enenu tirena machutecha, kadavar ha'amor b'shire uzecha, al yadei David, al yadei David. Ayadei David, Mashiach Tzidkecha. Do you remember that? We just did it. So that means may our eyes see your kingdom as it is expressed in the songs of your might at the hand of David, your righteous anointed. Of course, the Hebrew word we see there for righteous anointed is Mashiach Tzidkecha, righteous Messiah would be another way to translate that. So who is the David we're talking about in our liturgy, right? Are we talking about David Rudolph? 
David Haller, David Wine, just King David, not even him. We're rather, we're talking about the Messiah who rules like King David, but eternally with justice and mercy, Yeshua, the Messiah. So even though King David was a model for the Mashiach, he did have some flaws because he was not divine like Yeshua, but he was only human. Like many men, he had a problem with lust, which was, I believe, fueled by having more than one wife. So Hashem's advice to future kings of Israel, this is way before King David, uh, it reads like this in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17. When you enter the land, excuse me, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. And here's the clincher. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So this is a a, a kind of a prophecy. God saying, you know, I really don't think you should get a king But if you do, make sure that he doesn't do this, that he doesn't accumulate many wives. Having more than one wife fuels the fleshly nature in a man, just like any lust, right? We may not fuel our lust the same way that King David did by taking more than one wife, but we can certainly do that in our minds. As Rabbi Yeshua said, anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart commits adultery. Yeshua was drawing out the essential meaning of the Torah's prohibition against adultery. There is a war in the mind for purity with which almost every man struggles, married or single. But as there was hope for King David, there is hope for us. But first, let us examine the consequence of his fueling the lust played out in 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 3. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, remember that, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David, he, remember, he used to be the one that, that fought. He was the one that led his troops in battle. He was a warrior king. But now he's getting a little older. He's taken many wives. He's put himself in a situation. He's probably bored, right? He has nothing to occupy himself with. And so he has relations with Bathsheba, the woman he sees. She becomes pregnant. And to hide his lust and his greed, David has Uriah, which was her husband, go to the front lines of the battle. So he is killed. 
adding murder to the list of transgressions of lust and adultery. But what does that have to do with Ahithophel? Remember Ahithophel, the guy from the beginning? Well, you'll notice in the passage I read that Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam. And in 2 Samuel 23, 34, there's a very brief mention of Eliam again and, uh, when it's describing David's warriors. And it says, uh, this first one, which I'm not going to read, and then it says, Eliam, son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. So Ahithophel was the father of Eliam, who was the father of Bathsheba. In other words, Bathsheba was his granddaughter. Ahithophel saw all of this go down. David's stealing of his granddaughter and taking her for his wife. My sense is that in this, a root of bitterness developed in the heart of Ahithophel. Bitterness toward David, a heart of judgment against David's sin. Now, because of Nathan the prophet, David actually repented for this sin, and he accepted God's discipline for his sins regarding Bathsheba. David accepted the death of her first son, the fruit of his transgression, and he repented and he worshiped the Lord. God dealt with David according to his sins, with regard to his sins. But Ahithophel, he either didn't know that or he didn't see it. So later on in 2 Samuel 15, verses 30 through 31, we pick up the story. Another consequence of David's transgressions is that uh, there's turmoil in his house. In other words, his sons turn against him. One of the sons was Absalom. And uh, he, he turns against him. He tries to usurp his throne. So David uh, flees from his son. He's running away and uh, just the same way that he fled from King Saul. Uh, and this is what it says in 2 Samuel 30 through 31, uh, fi- chapter 15. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. So he's, he left his throne. His head was covered and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told, Ahithophel, remember was Bathsheba's grandfather, is among the conspirators with Absalom, which was David's son. So David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. You see, Ahithophel had sided with Absalom to get revenge on King David. And Ahithophel gave Absalom counsel that would have killed him. But David's ally, Hushai, pretends to side with Absalom and gives Absalom a different counsel. So, you know what, this is a little confusing, don't you think? Would you like to see an example of this? All right, let's, let's try it. Okay, so I'm going to be King David, because I'm David, uh, and representing Ahithophel will be a horseradish, played by Kathy Berry. Let's give her a hand. And a hand for the horseradish. No? Okay, never mind. And uh, so that's Ahithophel, right, because he's bitter. And um, uh, representing Hushai, uh, my friend will be this dog, because uh, dogs are loyal friends, right? And uh, representing my son, uh, Absalom, will be Mr. Juan over here. Yes, my son is two feet taller than me. All right. 
So uh, let's have them come on down and uh, we'll get this thing going. <clears throat> just start right there. Uh, he, he can look at your script if, uh, if he needs to. I'm so handsome and such a good leader. Everyone should follow me. Look at this great advice I'm giving. I will now come take my father's throne. Oh no, my son Absalom is charging the palace. I must flee so I don't have to fight against my own flesh and blood. Ah! I am Huche, your faithful servant. How can I help you? <laughs> Hi, Huche. Sorry, Hushai is talking to me. Um, <clears throat> okay, Hushai, um, go to Absalom, my son, and pretend to be on his side. Give him advice that will save me. No problem. Okay, now I'm leaving. I am Ahitophel. I am so bitter. I'm as bitter as horseradish. I will give Absalom advice to bring down King David. Wahahahahaha. I'm not here. Hi, Hushe. Hi, I'm Hushe. Uh, hi, Hushe. I was. You're supposed to say I. <laughs> I thought you were King David's friend. I thought you were King David's friend. I was, but now I'm your loyal friend. Uh, hmm. Ah, okay, great. <laughs> Don't believe Huche. Believe me. You can defeat King David like this. You can defeat King David like this. Hmm. No, no, no. You can, you can defeat King David like this. <laughs> hmm. I think I'll go with Hushai's advice. No. I'm so bitter. All right. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. Does that make more sense? Less sense? Any sense? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. Um, so that's, that's the idea. All right. Um, so hopefully you get a picture of what happened here. Ahitophel's advice, the, the, the horseradish, was not followed due to the bitterness built up from David's treatment of his granddaughter Bathsheba and he hung himself. In other words, we must beware of bitterness. Tell somebody next to you, beware of bitterness. Right. Ahithophel looked at David's sins as a judge and allowed that to embitter him to the point of death. Bitterness is not just a minor problem. It can kill you. 
As disciples of Yeshua, we must be very vigilant in this area. We can have bitterness and unforgiveness that we don't even know about. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says it like this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So even though we we think we might be clean in our hearts, Hashem can show us how our hearts have deceived us, how there may be bitterness hiding there. And even if we have walked with Yeshua for years and years, we are not exempt from the trap of bitterness. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I, I said something like a little bit harsh to him without intending to, and uh, I didn't even realize it. And I was telling my wife a little bit later just about the conversation and what I said, and she was like, you, sa- you said that? And I was like, yeah. And uh, she was like, well, that, that's kind of, uh, that was kind of harsh. And I, I didn't even realize it, and I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I realized that she was right, um, what I had said to my friend. Um, and Hashem showed me, actually, there was, there was some bitterness that I had in my heart that that's, it, I didn't even know about it, but it caused me to react that way. Um, and uh, when I went to my friend, of, uh, he, was, he was very gracious. He didn't he didn't assume that I was angry or anything. He assumed the best. Um, and that and inspired me. Inspired me because um, when others' words are harsh or hurtful, that I should give them the benefit of the doubt, just like my friend gave that to me. But the moral of the story is, sometimes there is bitterness in our hearts that we don't even know about. And Hashem, He wants to clean this out. This new year... 2016, let's start off with a clean slate and ask Hashem to show us, <clears throat> to show us if we have bitterness toward someone or toward God or even toward ourselves. If someone has hurt us, we have two options and only two according to scripture. You can forgive them and let it go or you can Forgive them and confront them. If you can't let it go, we are to go to the person. Proverbs 19.11 puts it like this. A person's wisdom yields patience, but it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So if you can, you overlook it, you let it go. But if you can't, you forgive them and you do what Yeshua tells us in Matthew 18.15. If your brother or sister sins, go and tell everyone except that person, right? And complain about them to all your friends and, and no? No, that's not it? Oh, what, what does the text say? Oh, I got it. Okay, if your brother or sister sins, keep bitterness in your heart uh, because they have no right to treat you that way and you have to get back. No? Oh, what does, it, what does the text say? Go and point out their fault just between the two of you right? Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Forgiveness and overlooking or forgiveness and confrontation in love. Those are our two options. Do you want a horseradish heart or a healed heart? There's a saying, hurt people hurt people. In other words, people that have not been healed in their heart tend to hurt others out of those wounds, intentionally or 
unintentionally. At Tikvat Israel, we need to strive to be covenantal toward one another. And um, one of the best ways to do that is the 12 pillars that, were, that Rabbi David developed, um, the 12 pillars of our community. And it's on our website, if you ever forget. Um, and this is a link to it. If we can maybe go down. So um, if you can't read it, I'll read uh, Pillar 5. And this is what it says. If we have a personal offense or know someone that has a personal offense against us, going to the person and working it out, following a biblical process of conflict resolution. That's a pillar of our community. Pillar 6 says, not harboring bitterness, seeking revenge, or taking up others' offenses. Pillar 7 affirms this, repenting when we know we have done something wrong and forgiving others as the Lord has forgiven us. If it is true that the end of bitterness is death, as in the case with Ahithophel, thank you, Robert, that's good. If that's true, then kal vachomer, how much more is the end of forgiveness, life, and healing? Again, I say, the result of forgiveness is life and healing. My brothers and sisters, let's ask Hashem to show us the roots of bitterness that have sprung up, and let's press on toward forgiveness. Let's build upon the pillars of our community, building up one another, encouraging one another in forgiveness and humility. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Avinu.